Welcome to the GEM series, powered by Rocket Level. On this podcast, we empower entrepreneurs to succeed by setting big goals, executing like a pro, and having a fearless mindset. The GEM series is all about investing in yourself. We're here to share the path to getting what you want out of life by sharing the stories of entrepreneurs who have done this themselves, providing thorough research from our team on what careers and habits are yielding the best results, and discussing the mindset it takes to overcome the obstacles that all future entrepreneurs will face. Investing in yourself starts with putting in the work every single day, and this podcast is here to help you do exactly that. My name is Blake Chapman. I'm the Vice President of the Ambassador Program here at Rocket Level, and I am thrilled to be your host for the GEM series. All right. Uh, Hello and welcome, everybody, to today's GEM series. I am so excited to welcome today's guest, Mike Zeller. Mike, uh, you have a lot of titles, and I uh, think that you do each one of those equally well. You are a business architect, entrepreneur, mentor, and author, among several other things that I'm sure I'm not even mentioning here. Uh, But what Mike does is he helps high achievers align their purpose with both the business they want to build and the life they want to live while getting unstuck and shaking off some of those limiting beliefs. So his businesses have done hundreds of millions in sales. He's the author of several excellent books, his new one being The Genius Within. He's mentored hundreds of entrepreneurs and has some incredible knowledge to share. So I'm sure you can tell I'm super excited to have Mike on. Mike, welcome to the show. <laughs> Blake, thanks for having me on, man. And uh, yeah. my intro makes me sound like I'm a lot cooler than I am, I think. So. <laughs> man, I was looking around. Uh, I think you're just as cool, if not cooler, than I just <laughs> than I just stated here. I uh, I saw, were you wrangling snakes at one point? I think I saw uh, somewhere. <laughs> well, I, I, I did get in the ring with some king cobras. So I, I did that, but I did not wrangle them. I, okay. I got right right behind. You did uh, go back and research, but that was in Thailand. They, man, these guys, you pay $20 for like a king cobra show. And you can literally, while they're doing their dance with the king cobra, which is like striking and doing yeah. their thing. And they're like three feet from the king cobra. You can get behind the king cobra, and they'll take a photo. <laughs> like, <That's... laughs> I would not be risking my life for someone else's <laughs> Instagram photo, yeah. uh, but somehow they have a ton of fun doing it. So I thought that was pretty epic, and I'm I'm sure it's still pretty nerve wracking even being in the uh, <laughs> being in the ring with this uh, this king cobra. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, um, no, I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool, but it was funny. I I had that in my notes to bring up at some point, but when you said that I you weren't as cool as I had just described, I was like, y'all don't even know. Mike's uh, <laughs> Mike's been in the ring with King Cobra, has done all kinds of stuff. Um, so for those who don't know you, would you mind just telling the audience a little bit uh, about yeah. yourself, Mike? So Blake, I've I've started over now, soon to be twenty different ventures and fashion, automotive, real estate, now health and marketing, uh, a few other things, but I've, you know, coaching, consulting, but you know, my love is unleashing people's divine potential. I'd say what drives me in my new uh, healthcare venture is, which is called Superhuman Health or superhumanid.com, but we treat aging, fatigue, mental health and addiction, all using one core ingredient called NAD+. Which is uh, basically a coenzyme that our bodies make that is central to all cellular functioning. 
But I got into it because my wife was battling depression. And I also uh, felt like I aged five years in a year during that first year of her battle, two-year battle with depression. And uh, in that season, I was looking for a solution. When we tried it, it worked. And I was like, oh, boom, this is amazing. I felt five years younger in the next five weeks or so. Wow. And as I've gotten treated more and more regularly, now I feel like I'm 30 again. I'm 43 chronologically, but I felt 30 in terms of my energy, my mental clarity, my stamina. And so it gave me some uh, a new new angle to help unleash people's potential because it, I felt like I was operating with just fumes in the tank. And now yeah. there's a way that I, I've always been like, hey, if, if there's a way that can give me a, a an unfair competitive advantage. I want that. And I don't I don't want to age any faster than I have to. If I can slow that clock down. Absolutely. Do that. So that's um, but but central, that's what I'm all about. That's so cool, man. How did you even find out about this? You know? Yeah. Were you on mad scientist mode? Did you do all <laughs> kinds of research? I'd love to yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in twenty nineteen, right before the pandemic, I I was heavily recruited to be a part of this other company that was treating addiction using NAD plus. And they had about a 400% more effectiveness rate than typical rehab centers. In other words, like 82% of their clients uh, didn't relapse versus 20% of rehab centers, um, traditional method, they relapse, right? So I'm sorry, only 20% of the patients don't come back. 82% of patients with NAD plus don't come back which is what you want. You want wow. someone to be yeah. treated and cured. So 400% more effective. And so I was like, there's something here. This, the world should know about this. This this is a big problem that people need. To, uh, you know, I've seen addiction ravage families and destroy marriages and and it's a disease. And, and then um, when my wife was battling uh, depression when she got pregnant and it brought out, she was had terrible abuse as a child, uh, very abusive mom and stepdad. And triggered tons of PTSD, anxiety, depression. Yeah. Um, and uh, I couldn't pull her out of it. My Tony Robbins, positive mindset stuff didn't mm-hmm. work. Meditation, breathing didn't really work. Exercise helped, but didn't solve it. Somatic psychotherapy didn't help. I mean, it did help, but it didn't cure it. Mm-hmm. Neurofeedback helped, but didn't cure it. It didn't give a noticeable, lasting jolt above it improved but never like transformed but when we got a full dose and full what we call now call a loading phase of three to six rounds of treatment of nad plus which is a non-addictive substance our body makes it's it's like stem cells she was a night and day difference pretty much immediately and was her energy was back her mental clarity was back her joy her mood her ability to handle stresses of life, normal stresses of life didn't overwhelm her and, and cause her to plummet down into the gutter. And and so was, there was something there and I knew like more people needed to hear about that. And and so right now it's a big part of what we do is, is treat for mental health because it's a it's not a pandemic, it's an endemic or whatever you would call it. It's mm-hmm. a it's a big problem in the in the US. One percent I think is what we'd call it. But um uh, you know, I've always been mission driven. So, yeah. Uh, and then the energy I feel as an entrepreneur is, is amazing. So I love it. 
No, that's uh, that's wonderful. And it seems like so many of your businesses have been rooted in uh, a desire to help people as yeah. the, the kind of core mission. I mean, I uh, looked through, you know, did my, I told you, I was like, I was scouring through some podcasts, <laughs> listening through, and uh, that seemed to be a commonality. So I guess going way back, even into childhood, what do you think maybe formed some of this desire to be attached to a bigger mission? Yeah, I think it was you know, a longing to be a longing to be a part of something meaningful. Um, and for, I'm a deep thinker, like my freshman year of college, my nickname was Socrates as in Socrates. Um, and I was always asking some big questions about life. I found faith. My faith was a big piece of it um, initially, which was, and I found a lot of value in that. But then I felt like, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's like, businesses, ministries, organizations, if they don't enrich the world and make the world better, then they shouldn't exist. And, yeah. and so I, I was looking for uh, central to like any business I participate in. I wanted to enrich the world and make people's lives better. It's something that I can believe in, stand tall, uh, feeling great about. And and then when I stumbled upon this and I noticed the immediate, what, what was cool for me, it's like you take a supplement and sometimes you feel something, sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. Well, nine times out of 10, when someone gets an IV infusion because it's bypassing the gut barrier, you know, our gut, yeah, our gut barrier allows only about 10 to 30% of supplement absorption, right? But if you do an IV infusion, it's like 99% of it's hitting your bloodstream. So you can, you feel it. I like it when, when uh, NAD is coming in your bloodstream, it kind of feels like you're becoming Wolverine is how I like, like to think <laughs> about it. And then, because you feel it. Like if you let it Absolutely. flow, it's like intense. Yeah. But you wake up. I usually wake up the day after and the days after, like before my alarm, with more energy, more mental clarity, not needing caffeine, just ready to go. Um, and so anyway, I think yeah. my faith was a part of it, just serving the world driven to serve the world and make the world a better place. Got it. No, that's, uh, I think that's, you know, interesting. Cause I, I, I think you, did you grow up in the Southeast too? Yeah. I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I grew up in Georgia. So uh, sure, a small yeah. town in Georgia and yeah. you know, I, it's interesting cause obviously uh, Christianity is like one of the, you know, religion is a, is a big part of like how a lot of folks, in the South grow up. But what's yeah. interesting too, is kind of how you, uh, what you take away from that. So I like how you've applied that in, uh, in what you do currently and being attached to this, uh, this idea that, yeah, you know, like if you're not doing something that actually impacts people in a positive way, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it, you know, because yeah. otherwise, uh, you're, you're detracting from the world. Um, yeah. so with this, I'm curious about this too. What, because you do so much with mindset and helping get people, you know, to break through that, whatever ceiling they kind of might foresee ahead of them. What do you do to kind of supplement alongside all of this stuff? Is there any kind of coaching that goes along with that uh, to help people, you know, adjust with, or is it pretty passive? For the, for the IV side, you know, ideally we want them enrolled in some sort of uh, healthy, optimal therapy that's helping mm -hmm. in the process. If they're battling, you know, the addiction or mental health side, um, so we highly, highly recommend that. But sometimes people, they're just their cellular 
their cellular metabolism is just off and, and they're dragging and, and I felt it myself. So I understand, but if you're dealing with fibromyalgia, uh, autoimmune diseases, lupus, uh, there's Hashimoto's, like if you reboot yourself from the cellular side and all your cells feel younger and are operating more efficiently or just like you turn back the clock, guess what? You you think different, you act different, you mm-hmm. show up in life better. You, and and so that's one of the cool things about the IV side is, is it's an immediate noticeable effect. And if you haven't had one, you know, I'm sure there's places down the lane, you're probably pretty healthy. Still, I would, I would start getting at least, an, you know, a couple of times, once or twice, uh, well, maybe once every two or three months. Get an IV, yeah. especially with NAD, glutathione, the vitamins, but the NAD. I would big. love to give it a. I would love to give it a try. Yeah. You know, because I think that that's. Uh, hey, I still feel worn out too. You know, some yeah. days, yeah. right? I, uh, I, I, I'm still. I'm like, I love. Uh, you have those days where you're full of energy, but I've noticed. Yeah, the older you get, that's the more it starts kind of creeping up on you. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I quit drinking about four years ago because of that exactly, which mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just deteriorating my efficiency, my happiness, oh, yeah. my uh, ability to, I, I could just feel myself aging. Like you kind of talked about aging five yeah. years in one year, or whatever it is. And uh, if this could be a fast track to helping people uh, do something that makes sense for them or change those neural pathways, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's uh that's great, you know. Yeah. Um, and with this kind of endemic that you're talking about, I what? Why do you think that we're in this place right now, where so many people are struggling with, yeah, with mental think, health? Yeah. The one of the big things when the human body can only handle. Uh, I had another natural health practitioner explain this to me in 2019, and said, "Hey, when in a given week you can only handle so many stressors, and if you get one big." knockout punch, then you can't handle a whole lot of other knockout punches before your body starts breaking down. And if you if we rewind back to February 2020 and March 2020, and we were just hit with knockout punch after knockout punch with uncertainty on a global scale, and then, then you couple it with loneliness, then you couple it with, oh, economic fears and worries, and then you, yeah. oh, you have to wash your Amazon boxes because you might get the virus because no one understood. Yeah, breathing the wrong way. You have to stand 12 feet apart, six feet apart, mm-hmm. whatever it was, right? And um, man, it was, it was so many stressors. And your body, our humans are resilient, but everyone has a different level of resilience depending on their health, depending on what type of traumas they've been through, depending on what type of triggers are already, already embedded into your body. And, and so like it created a, a mental health pandemic in many regards. I mean, suicide rates were up 30.4% of Americans have battled depression last two years, according to the APA, American Psychological Association. 64.1% of Americans have had some sort of significant trauma or challenge in the last two years. Yeah. Um, so those numbers are like off the charts um, in many regards. In recovery, most people don't understand recovery. Most people don't understand mental health. I didn't understand mental health nearly enough two years ago. And I still feel like I'm 
in the dark at some things, even though sure. probably no more than uh, 98% of Americans on it. Um, but that hits you hard and it, it creates cortisol levels are way, you know, way out of whack. Your hormones get out of whack, your energy production, you're not exercising, you're not seeing sunlight, you're not seeing friends. So yes, we're reacclimated, but I remember when we first started going back out into the world, my wife was afraid to go into a restaurant. Mm. Right. And, yeah. and then we are some of our friends that we had, we still don't really see some of the friends that we saw before the pandemic. And so this reset, it's been a big global reset that's still happening. And it's happening less crazy in a less crazy way right now. Um, but we, our nervous system is still looking to recalibrate and find certainty. We can handle what we want uncertainty to some level, but we need some certainty. And each person's tolerance is, is different. And we had like dramatic amounts of uncertainty and very low amounts of certainty for a season. Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense. And whenever I've looked at it, uh, that's that's definitely one of the biggest factors I've seen. I always think about, you know, as a as a nation, sometimes I worry that we don't because there's so much of this that we just don't know. That's in yeah. the uh, it's in the unknown in terms of like uh, we have umbrella categories for mental, you know, mental health, uh, you know, whatever you're whatever you're, you're navigating, it could mean all kinds of things. If somebody tells you you're diagnosed with something. Um, but I also wonder on the coping side of things, how do we develop good coping, uh, coping skills as, as human yeah. beings nowadays? Cause, uh, listening to your stuff, I just, I, I heard a lot of good snippets, but I mean, yeah. What do you tell some of your people that you're mentoring, uh, when, when they're trying to push through a wall? Yeah. You know, sometimes when you slow down and you pause and you breathe. And because sometimes when we're trying to push through a wall, it's almost like we are uh, we're bludgeoning our head. <laughs> uh, and there was yeah. a way around yeah. it. And pushing through a wall sometimes conveys, can convey a, a spirit of scarcity instead of a spirit of abundance or a spirit of mm -hmm. lack instead of a spirit of resourcefulness. Um, and I think the bigger things I would look at is like, how do I reverse engineer my whole environment so that I can get into a state of flow? And flow state, when you're in the psychological state of flow, which is like that Nirvana-like state where you're, you know, if you think of an NBA player, can't miss a shot. Um, Tom Brady completing 22 passes in a row. Well, we can have that in our work where our, it's four main energy quadrants, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, if I get those up to a peak level and I'm aligned deeply with a purpose and, and mission and big and something that's a healthy amount of challenge, like there's your comfort zone and your discomfort zone, where your discomfort zone, which is where the magic happens, is only typically for most people 10% beyond your comfort zone. So if I go, not 20%, but if I go 10% above my comfort zone, then I'm more likely to hit flow state. When I'm in flow state, I'm 500% more productive. And I'm also typically releasing uh, all six of the positive neurochemical cocktails, the serotonins, endorphins, dopamines, all those guys. I release all that. And I'm also, because I'm releasing those neurochemical cocktails, 
uh, basically what happens is I'm also more likely to be happy. So my, my quest is instead of, if I'm looking at a wall, I might want to just slide back for a minute, mm. reverse engineer, get back in flow state, let my subconscious work on that wall, come back to it later, work on something else where I have a clear pathway. Um, and, and ask different sorts of questions to that wall. Um, one of the big things that I did in, in my entrepreneurial journey is, is I said, all right, where's my deepest area of genius? And then how can that deep area of genius be applied to a higher leverage activity? And, and I looked at, oh, I can develop out businesses and sales models and unlock, mm-hmm. you know, get a mentor and, and I can unleash people's, you know, talent and get them more deeply connected to their purpose um, so that they can drive with even more certainty and precision. But if I'm just doing lower level, you know, early stage entrepreneurs, if I'm just doing um, real estate sales that doesn't have as bright of a future versus applying it to say a SaaS, you've got a SaaS business, right? Yeah. Well, if, if I can apply that to something that continues to grow, and is much more scalable. So like superhuman, I feel like this can be a hundred million dollar company. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm gonna build it towards. My real estate team is never gonna be a hundred million dollar company. It's maybe Next, gonna be a million sure. or two million in terms of value. Yeah, I think that that's such a good way to reframe in your brain. And also the fact that maybe the wall is there for a reason. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, a wall can't go on forever. The Great Wall of yeah. China, I'm not exactly sure how many miles long that is, but. Guess what? No. It ends at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's such a, such a great perspective. Um, and you touching on kind of the real estate and going into something a little more scalable and where you could reach more people and be tied to your impact. I was, I was checking it out and yeah, you were doing real estate for a while. And then correct me if I have this wrong, but you went to Argentina for a sabbatical in between mm-hmm. that. Is, yeah. And, I want to hear, so what happened in that sabbatical period, you know, because that yeah. sounds pretty magical, you know? Yeah. Inspired with four hour work week, I went down there and had a little six week mini sabbatical where I literally turned my cell phone off. Didn't, I set up a whole new email account uh, called Inzeller Sabbaticals um, and was just in that email account. A handful of close friends uh, had that email, had handed off my real estate business for someone else to run. And learned Spanish, tango, went kite surfing, fell in love with a, a European girl for a little bit, um, and had a great adventure. And it was a, a really cool, I knew I would find my aha or find some, like when you're in that sort of environment where you're creating an intentional space, I want to create breath. You know, it's almost like, we think of the whole universe is on this rhythm of yeah. energy exertion, renewal, exertion, renewal. It's day, night, daytime, nighttime. Uh, summer, it's winter. It's fall, it's spring. It's rotation. The earth's rotating. Everything's rotating. Breath in, breath out. Um, I exhale carbon monoxide, inhale oxygen. So, in fact, you know, most Americans, we're just, we're just exhale. Just, mm-hmm. just exert, yeah. <laughs> exert, exert. Very true. And then I listened to this one podcast or a, a TEDx talk called The Power of Time Off by Stefan Sagemeister. And he talked about 
how he's he owned this big design firm in New York City and he worked for brands like Nike and Prada and all that. Well, every seven years, he would close down his shop and put a sign on the door, sign on the website that says, we're off for the next year. To creatively renew, pay his staff, everybody gets paid. But what happened is at the end of that sixth year, they were running on burnout. Creative mm -hmm. ideas were running dry. By the time they come back, after that sabbatical, they're infused with brilliant, cutting-edge, front-end-of-the-trend ideas and pioneers and innovators again. And I was like, I got to I gotta get off the hamster wheel. I was on a hamster wheel. I mean, mm -hmm. while I was there, I had this big aha that, you know what? I'm really good at developing out sales and, and growing businesses. But what if I could become the designer of the engine in the business instead of the actual engine? Because I was mm. tired of being the engine. And uh, yeah. so I came back, and that next year I started three different businesses um, and started building from the engine mentality. How do I design the great engine instead of being the engine or being the mule? So would you say that was kind of the, the beginning? Because that is, I mean, that goes, yeah, that's scalability right there. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a heck of a lot easier to be the person who designs the engines than be the one that's taking the mileage on yourself. Yeah. And uh, well, it's not easy, but it's a, it's, it's a different kind of work that's actually scalable, you know? Yeah. Um, would yeah, you say yeah. that was kind of the beginning of that, you know, whenever you started being able to build out that, those, those ideas, or is this something yeah. that you kind of had in, in your brain, you know, for a while? I probably had it in my brain some, but for a while, but it, it really accelerated it and kicked that into another gear. And I longed, I think if I was going to, you know, there's a gap between our vision and our reality. And I knew I was capable of building some bigger businesses, but if I was ever going to do that, I had to reset. Because mm -hmm. I only have so many hours and so much energy, but I had to reset my, my pathway and build a much stronger foundation. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's a risk that, you know, people, we see it as a risk to take a break, uh, any kind of a break nowadays because we go so nonstop or a lot of us do anyways, especially if you're yeah. trying to uh, execute on your vision. But it's it's weird because sometimes when you put in those stops, that's where uh, the biggest epiphanies actually unfold and, you know, can become real. So I think yeah. that's, uh, that's pretty neat. So did you start seeing, yeah, what was that like once you... Uh, went ahead and, you know, launched, launched into this new frame of mind. Like, did you start seeing the traction pretty quickly or were you nervous about this at all or anything like that? Not really. I, I, I felt like, you know, I've uh, had a client um, who's an entrepreneur and just sold his business and did really well. I had a nice little mm -hmm. figure exit. And we were sitting in this room um, last, last Friday and said, Mike, What's always struck me about you is like you're always pretty self-assured, <laughs> and I don't get nervous very often. Like I, uh, I speak, I can feel unprepared, but I'm still not nervous. I can roll in and just roll and, and be good with it. Um, I think when I look at that season, I knew I was also going to treat that season as a season of experimentation, of learning. And, and I ended up starting all together. I started like six businesses in a three year time period and not the best idea can be pretty dumb in some regards, but I was like, Hey, I'm going to learn a lot. Absolutely. I'm going to learn more than most people because I'm going to have more things 
I'm learning at the same time and more mistakes means more learning. And, um, and so sure enough, I, I learned a lot, made some mistakes, I lost some money and made some money. Um, but I, I went in with a learner's mentality. Like this is my season of, I don't think my season's ever over, but that's the season of deep experimentation and learning. Yeah, that makes, yeah, because I mean, if you go into it with the idea that, hey, regardless of, you know, it, I could lose money's money, but I want to learn and I want to become yes. a better person and, and get closer to my end goal. When you have that mindset, it, uh, it makes sense why you wouldn't be, why you wouldn't be too nervous about it. Anyways, yes. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, so is this the season when you were, you know, spending a lot of time with Tony Robbins and like studying under him or. Yeah, that's, that's the season that I jumped in with Tony, you know, spent, um, uh, couple hundred grand, grand with that guy and 1,447 hours with Tony. And that was a season I grew from, you know, having a handful of employees to having 55 employees and doing like 30 plus million a year in sales revenue. And I really enjoyed that season. It was a great growth season. And then, you know, I'm, I'm in the early stages of another growth season that I think is built on a much uh, wiser and more solid and mature foundation. Um, but yeah, I, I learned a ton. I was like, you know what? This is a season I'm just going to invest, invest, invest in myself, um, learn, master. Because I've got I've got decades ahead to be an entrepreneur and to build wealth. So if I can do more in ten years or five years than most people will do in a lifetime, then I want to do that. I want to learn. I want to stretch. So absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I've heard you talk about kind of like age ranges and being in your, how being in your forties and fifties is kind of like when a lot of people hit their stride. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask about, yeah, about that. Why, why is, why does it work out that way that most people make the most money they're ever going to make in their fifties? Yeah. I think the maturity you're able to put the pieces together. Yeah. A lot more. Like I look at how I'm building superhuman versus how I build Providence Auto or LOV United building it so much more wisely. It doesn't mean I'm not making boneheaded decisions sometimes, but overall I'm, I'm more intentional. The maturity of the partners is different. The uh, strategy, I can tie things. Like most of the time when we start a business, we can usually do one or two, maybe three things really well out of the 17 things at the beginning. And then we just kind of go without some of those other parts working well. <laughs> and we're okay. We're like, I'll figure it out. And that's yep. to some extent, that's what you got to do. But then when you start finding your stride, you're like, oh, this is my lane, my zone of genius, which is what my first book is about. This is my lane where I'm an absolute badass. If I know that with greater precision, then I can design who, what team I join and make sure that I get an exact right role instead of playing out of position. In, in your 20s and 30s, it's easier to play out of position. Um, and you got to try different positions so you know what's in position or out of position. But then, uh, then you f once you figured it out, now you can act with more precision, and you can design out businesses. Like I'm, I think of myself as an architect, a business. Mm -hmm. Right? Who do I need over here that is absolutely phenomenal? Because I need to build a dream team. Mm -hmm. I need the right players in the right position in the right time. Um, and I have necessarily that that full maturity. Back then, I had some understanding of it, um, but now I'm more rigorous and more 
astute and I've also been through the battles. So I, I know what's, what's something I should get really stressed about and what's something I shouldn't. Yeah. No, and it's kind of interesting because in your 20s, it feels like you're just trying to sort of get a sense of who you are and what you're, yeah. what you're good at, you know? Yeah. Um, is there any way that people can kind of fast track some of that or tap into that zone of genius like you're, like you're talking about? Yeah. Great question, Blake. I, what I've seen, what I've seen with my clients is if you do a deep inventory of yourself, uh, you think of one of my favorite quotes, Socrates said, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. So how do I know myself? Like I'm sitting here at this 12 foot marble table. Well, if I could gather all the clues about who I am and put them on one table, then the patterns will pop like popcorn. It's like Jim Collins wrote Good to Great and all these other great books. And what does he do? He just gathers all the data and looks for the patterns to emerge. He has a hypothesis or ideas. But then he says, oh, this idea was not proven to be true. This idea yeah. was. And patterns pop. And so when someone goes through my genius within process, what they do is I take them through five different personalities. My favorite being the wealth dynamics. I actually just got an email from another client. He just sold his business for $5 million and flying in for Genius Day with me. And we're unpacking his, his pathway, his unique pathway. Mm -hmm. And what happened is he read the report of the Wealth Dynamics. He's a star on the Wealth Dynamics. I'm a creator. Um, he's, he's like, Mike, that was spot on. It's, <laughs> it's crazy how 10 to 15 minutes brought so much clarity about who I am. And uh, so we do the Wealth Dynamics, couple it with the Strengths Finder test, Myers-Briggs, Disc Profile, Colby Index, which measure, measures how fast are you to start things, how many details do you need, how strong is your follow-through, mm -hmm. those type of things, and maybe uh, Enneagram. So that compiles one unique area called your unique abilities. Can add that to your uh, unique life experiences, like those pivotal moments. I was having coffee with another guy today, and he's been in a bunch of different roles. Those have set him up to be where he's at now. And it's not by accident, for example, that I went through um, a battle of depression with my wife, right? Yeah. You know, it was her battle, but I was there to support her. And now that life experience has catalyzed me to, uh, to help create, create so much around mental health and to be a, uh, um, a excellent problem solver for solving that problem for hopefully hundreds of thousands of people before I'm done. And then you couple that with key relationships, which is the third area. Where do you have natural hotbed of relationships? Mm -hmm. I knew I was meant to be an author and mentor and I had all these friends that had best-selling books. So like that was an angle. And then the fourth thing, the values mm -hmm. and passions. Um, what do I stand for? What do I stand against? What, what, what am I naturally curious about? If I put if all four of those things overlap, that's probably my zone of genius. So that's, and that's where I want to swim. And then if people like get in that lane, guess what, man, you're on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, man. Everybody needs to be doing this right now. You know, <laughs> I'm like, it sounds great. You're sounding like a real, uh, three on the Enneagram right now. Oh, I'm a three. Oh yeah. I was just messing around. <laughs> I, <laughs> I caught that in something else. I, I, I think I'm a, I think I might be a four, actually, okay. if I remember correctly. I've, it was a long time ago that I took that. 
Yeah. Uh, but I love, I love, you know, using, I've used the Myers-Briggs and the Colby test. What, but I haven't done the Myers-Briggs and Colby? So my Colby is, what's the, I have the results right here. I should, I should have. Uh, what's the see. number? Um, remember? So on my, on my Colby test, it was super high on the like, uh, basically I'm the one who's like the ideate and uh, get stuff. Get started. Uh, yeah. Get started guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, like, like kind of too high. Cause I'm not very, I, I had to grow in my organizational skills a little bit, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're uh, that's the, that's the main catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. So high on the quick start, probably lower on fact finding, lower on follow through. Exactly. Yeah. So I saw that it's like way out of proportion too on that one. Yeah, me too. So. That's okay. <laughs> It, the the thing is to you know we never asked Dennis Rodman to become a great three point shooter, and we wouldn't ask Steph Curry to like get in the paint and you know bang bodies. Where Tom Brady cannot run fast, so you don't want him yeah. running fast. You want him being great at what he's great at and manage yeah. fast. That's why it's called a strengths finder, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're not that's here right. to, to point out your weaknesses. Um, yeah. no, that's a, that's a really, yeah, that's a really great point. You know, as long as we're leaning into some of those things that we're, you know, naturally inclined to, we're probably doing good. I think you used a, a metaphor about, uh, going out poisonous mushroom hunting. Oh, Is yeah. that, uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. If you don't mind, I'd be curious. Yeah. So, you know, as an entrepreneur and an innovator, if you, it, and it depends, some entrepreneurs, they just want to be, they're in the preservation mode. Like as a wealth manager, you you primarily want, if you own your own wealth management firm, you want to be a little, you need to be pioneering to acquire new clients, but you mm-hmm. don't want to be pioneering and risking clients' money. Um, totally. And, but on the other end, if you look at a company like Amazon, you look at Apple, you look at Tesla, they got to keep innovating and pressing the innovation button, almost like a poisonous mushroom eater. You look at tribes in early days, if they're nomadic and they're traveling, traveling through forests, well, you got to have a couple of poisonous mushroom eaters, guys that will go ahead of the, of the pack and, and test out the fruit, test out the mushrooms, see, oh, is this a yeah. portobello? Is this a, uh, a truffle? Or is this a poisonous mushroom? So you taste little bites to see if it's good or if it makes you sick. Or is it a psychedelic mushroom, whatever it may be, <laughs> and um, and same thing in entrepreneurship. It's learning and embracing. For example, Amazon really has that deeply embedded in their their philosophy, and that's why it, you know they seem like they keep growing and they keep adding new things, and they and they do. But they also are uh, very comfortable with big strikeouts. Like how, how many people ever owned an Amazon phone? Did yeah. you ever own one? Never. That was a multi-hundred million dollar bet that didn't pay off. Mm-hmm. It was a flop, total flop. They lost lots of money on that. Yeah. But they did all right with Prime. They're doing freaking phenomenal with Amazon Web Service. They're doing phenomenal with adding all these other services. They knew, hey, we got to add our own electric vehicle fleet. So they did a hundred million dollar investment in Arabian. Um, and so, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur... When things, when we're about to have a hundred years of technological change in ten years, which is the era that we're upon, then you can't stand still. Otherwise, you will be a relic of the past in many regards. And so you have to keep innovating and, and 
creating. Um, now, if you're selling to, you know, baby boomers or a generation or psychology of people that are change resistant, mm-hmm. you don't have to change much, but eventually they're going to become dinosaurs and go extinct too. So yeah, yeah. that's something I- to be aware of. Absolutely. You know, and I think the reason that stood out to me so much, I was having uh, an early Thanksgiving celebration with my family this weekend. And uh, it was my wife's family. And her uncle goes, who the hell tried eating mushrooms for the first time? He just started talking about that. He's like, (laughs) what kind of guy goes out into the woods and tries it out? And I was like, well, maybe he watched animals. But then when you just explained it, I'm like, yeah, they probably just tried a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, and and went for variety because they knew that, hey, if we tap into something viable, this could sustain us for, you know, for years and we won't die in the winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, what do you think is like and, a small? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And, <laughs> and I think in reality is only, you know, if you look at the diffusion of innovations curves, um, only about two and a half percent of the population are true innovators. About 13 and a half percent of the population are early adopters. And so, you know, you don't need many people and you don't want many people being like mm-hmm. true innovators because it creates too much disruption. Absolutely. So, anyway, yeah, say? No, no, absolutely. I, uh, I was just wondering maybe what does that look like? Because you gave the, the kind of like Amazon and Apple version of that. I just think about people that are in the early stages of being an entrepreneur. What is, you know... Uh, sifting through and trying things out look like? And what are some of those risks that people maybe aren't taking on that they should be trying out because they yeah. they could be missing out, you think? Yeah, I think uh, I refer back to the a great book called The Four Steps to the Epiphany or uh, Startup Owner's Manual by Stephen Blank. And in that journey, it's really four steps. The first step is customer discovery. And you got to get radical intimacy with your ideal, who you think your ideal client is. Mm-hmm. And they liken, liken it a little bit to like Airbnb. When Airbnb was found in the first couple of years, and the co-founders, they were going to people's houses, like literally themselves going to people's houses, taking photos, having as many conversations with people as possible to know, understand, care about their problems so that they could do micro pivots, keep pivoting to get the value yeah. proposition nailed in. And, and so the, the season, many people abort the learning and active learning season too early. And, mm. and also should always continue, but it continues in a little bit different way. So like in my season with Superhuman IV, I'm going to meet as many clients as possible. I, I want to have conversations. I want to connect with them. I want to learn what their health challenges are. I want to start seeing patterns. I want, yeah. I want my mind, my body to be stacked with data. Of like, this is what people are facing. Um, and then this subgroup cares about this. Like, I know for an entrepreneur, they care about peak performance. If I can work harder, last longer, feel great, you know, my stamina is up, we're, we're also more likely to burn ourselves out. So if I can fuse an entrepreneur with energy, and and the stamina that makes them feel superhuman. Boom! That's a great value prop. If it's a someone battling mental health, they just want to feel normal. They want less anxiety. They want um, want to be able to handle life and not panic. Um, so uh, anyway, so like given that intimacy, 
with yeah. your client and falling in love with your client, not fall in love with your product, but horse and buggies went out of business because they were not in love with their client who they wanted transportation issues solved in the mm -hmm. most efficient means possible. Eventually, Henry Ford created the Model T, and eventually Henry Ford lost sight of that and said, you can have any car you want as long as it's in black. Well, eventually Chevrolet and GM came along and said, hey, we'll make any color you want, and we'll make different models, and we'll accommodate and listen to what people want. And yeah. then Ford came around and now makes more than one color. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's, it. that's so important, too, whenever you're you know getting wrapped up in trying to make these moves, because... We also just get so focused on kind of because we have to, in a sense, too, is we're like, I got to make money. I got to make money. I got to make yeah. money. But then you lose sight of, hey, I probably, the money will come, but I need to tap into where the actual demand is and what. Yeah. yeah like you said, like I have to fall in love with my uh, fall in love with my customer, you know, because yeah. otherwise, otherwise we're on we're on different, you know, we're on different planets. We're in a bad relationship. Wait, <laughs> yeah. wait not even waiting to break up. You're not even dating yet. You know, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I think that that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so a few questions that I always ask, kind of wrapping up here. Um, are there any myths that you would you try to dispel around uh, you know coaching and 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 mentorship and entrepreneurship that you would just you think are important for people to you know go ahead and execute those limiting beliefs in their brain? Yeah, I think when you look at coaching and mentorship, you know, the pro athletes in the world, the top pro athletes, they pay a lot of money for that extra 1%. Mm -hmm. If you're playing a bigger game, that extra 1% means more and more and more dollars. So, and the challenge is when you're, you're the leader, creator, uh, you know, founder of a business, whatever, is you're on the inside of the bottle. It's really hard to lay, read the label when you're on the inside of the bottle. So what I see from if you get aligned with a great coach or mentor is, man, they help you read the label on the outside. And that self-awareness, that extra level of self-awareness is what separates the truly great from the potentially great. And you look at, say, a guy like LeBron James. His self-awareness is much greater than a Russell Westbrook. So I, I love sports mm. metaphors. But LeBron sees and recognizes his weaknesses. Russell Westbrook doesn't. And he, he, he deflects and rejects um, criticism in some regards and, and doesn't have awareness of where he's good and not so good. Um, and, and if you want to become a mature level five leader, in your business, you've got to have that really accurate self-awareness and create safe space for communication, create an organizational structure that enhances health of your organization, your communication, your trust. And, and for, for me, that's, that's a big piece of the pathway of how I'm going to build a $100 million company. It's like, hey, I've got to have real health with my people. I'm going to listen. doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. I'll flub it up. Sometimes, but then I'll learn. Um, but then also, I need to be in the right position. You, we have to ask ourselves, where am I desperately needed? Where mm. can I be one of the best in the world at in terms of my job, my role, my industry? And if you can find that, 
then you you get rewarded handsomely if you're in a in the right situation. And we also can apply it intelligence to finding the right situation or designing the right situation. I love I love to ask a lot of my clients an opposite question than what they'll probably think of, which is what does my environment have to look like for my success to be inevitable? Mm. Like I know if I jump off a table onto the floor, the gravity is inevitably going to pull me down. doesn't matter how high I jump, I'm going to come down. That's inevitable. What if my success was inevitable because I designed it based on I got the right people around me, I got myself in the right position, I got the right marketplace, I'm riding the right wave of momentum because so much yeah. success in business is riding the right wave of momentum. I'm solving the right off, the right problem with the right offer. I have a sustainable business model. I have people executing at each critical place at a high level. Um, I'm protecting myself. I'm building a moat around my business so others can't attack, um, or it's much harder. And I've got myself an optimal mental, emotional health so that, you know what, I'm not going to get derailed. Um, so what does my environment have to look like for my success to be inevitable is one of the biggest things. And if you actually take some thinking time, because if, man, I had a, a friend, or not a friend, but a guy I connected with who's Australia's seventh wealthiest man. Hmm. And wow. he, he does something that I encourage entrepreneurs to do a lot, which is thinking time. And, and he would sit down and take a core question, like, what does my environment have to look like for my success to be inevitable? Writes out that question, answers it for 45 minutes, does that same question four times. And by the end of the fourth time, he solved that problem. And he, one time he took, how do I get my company to $100 million in one year? From zero to 100. And he did that question four times. And he figured out the solution. And by the end of that fourth time, well, later on that year, he got it to over $100 million valuation. And wow. That's so, so powerful. Yeah, it's, it's think and grow rich. It's not work hard and grow rich, not grind and grow rich. Um, so, uh, think, yeah, long-winded answer. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I just think that uh, that's something that's uh, really powerful because even in my own experiences, you know, all this stuff is floating around, knocking around in your head like crazy. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you just take that 45 minutes and dedicate it to to actually knocking it out, it's pretty incredible what comes from doing that. So I love that. So you said, write it down four times, work through mm -hmm. it over the course of 45 minutes, see what you've got, you know, and just yeah. uh, keep, keep chipping away at, at it, at it in that way. That's uh no, that's, that's wonderful advice, I think. Um, and Mike, I always ask uh, as my kind of last question, what's your favorite part of what, of what you do right now? I mean, I, I think I kind of have a sense of that, but, but what would you say? As a, I'm a creator on the Wealth Dynamics and Quick Start on Bowlby and INTP, which is on the Myers Briggs. So I love creating. I love generating ideas and birthing things into existence. So that's a real joy for me. But then also, I really love. It's such a joy to see people experience lasting life change. I love, you know, I mean, I love it when entrepreneurs fly in or I fly to them and we do a VIP Zone Genius Day. Um, because usually we'll do, we'll unpack more in that one day than they will have impacted 
you know, in two years and mm -hmm. shifted. And so that's really meaningful, the days of immersion. Um, but I, I love a lot of it. It's, it's hard for me to say which part that I enjoy more than another. Um, yeah. But I, I love the joy of creating and growing and calling others out to their highest level of greatness. Mike, I really appreciate you coming on here today. I, uh, I learned so much already. Our audience is going to learn so much. Uh, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. Where can everybody kind of keep up with everything that you're, you're doing right yeah. now? Uh, thanks for asking, Blake. And pleasure connecting today as well. Uh, you can go to, for my book, you can grab a copy of that for free at geniuswithinbook.com. Uh, or Amazon, of course. And then you can also grab, I've got a little uh, free download, Six Steps to Finding Your Genius. So grab that as well. You can click on that in my Instagram bio, which is Instagram. All the social media handles is the Mike Zeller, and that's Z-E-L-L-E-R. So that's on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter and LinkedIn. So you can find me on all those platforms. But Love to connect. Message me cool. if something resonated that we shared today, or share the podcast out and tag us both. Wonderful, awesome. All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Yeah, please subscribe. Uh, keep up with Mike. Keep up with everything on the Gem Series uh, Instagram that we've got. And uh, yeah, this has been the Gem Series. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Gem Series the podcast for anybody dedicated to investing in themselves. If you'd like to see the resources mentioned in this episode, learn more about what we are up to at Rocket Level, or come over and join our team, just click on the links below. Until next time, this is Blake Chapman, and remember to be awesome and do awesome things.